and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone who has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. Okay. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the beast that strikes fear into any creative or business owner, and that is imposter syndrome. Oh yeah, no, no we well, are. no well, yeah. We, uh, we, we hinted at this one in the, in the last episode we recorded. Yeah. But it's, it's something that affects pretty much everyone, whether they want to admit it or yeah, not. Yeah, I think at some point in your career, you're going you're gonna to come across this problem. Yeah, and yeah, I've certainly been there a lot myself. But before we do that, how's uh, the past few weeks been for you? Yeah, it's been good, actually. I mean, um, I, I think I'm suffering from this imposter syndrome thing recently. We're working on lots of new calculation types. Um, I don't get too much in technicalities, though, but some, some of the stuff do is quite technical. And you, know, you reach a point where you think, oh, I'm sort of going beyond my limits. Um, so if at one point we are thinking about hiring expensive consultants to help us out. And then um, I got talking to somebody, we, we pay for various trade associations and, and what have you. And obviously as part of those subscriptions, we get access to um, sort of free helplines where you can speak to an expert. So I spoke to an expert and he just like recommended a document. Um, and I was able to buy, it's quite expensive, all this document and I had all the answers in that I need rather than hire a consultant. So that was quite okay. nice. But and that's, that's an example of what we'll go into with the imposter syndrome. But but what have you been up to in Steve recently? So I was out at KCDC in Kansas City. Yeah, it was really good. So hanging out with lots of friends. Um, there's a big barbecue party that the conference uh, sort of held. Yeah. So I went to that. You know, it was, it was good. Uh, great, great. Okay. Very hot. Uh, the course that I'll put out is uh, good performing well people are, people are watching it that's good yeah so i'm really happy with that and i've been getting really stuck into this path to freedom book so just trying to get the rough drafts for the various different chapters done yeah that so sounds, sounds good generally what you do when you, when you do the first draft you just kind of write so you don't worry too much about quality and like you just try and get the ideas down then when, yeah, once you've done that yeah, you do yeah. like a second revision to try and refine the ideas of, of, the, of the main sort of content and then i go through and i think well it, what personal stories or experiences can I put in there that relate to me and then you know other people that I know who might have had similar experiences yeah. I try and weave some stories in there as well sounds something I'm looking forward to, to reading the first draft actually when it does come out so uh, I've been hiring uh, an editor well I'm going through the process of hiring an editor at the minute. Yeah, so yeah. Their, their role will be to basically read through what I've done and make sure it achieves the objectives that are set out for each chapter okay yeah. did they learn anything from it okay and also going through and tweaking and streamlining the copy as well. So mm. turning my main scribblings into, into something that's hopefully readable. Sense, yeah, yeah, sounds good. Plus it's good to have someone else actually look over it like that as well who's trained to do that. Because when you're staring at something for a long time, you kind of lose sight. You, you kind of lose sight of what's on the page. and So they're there to basically kick my butt. Okay, oh good. Good, yeah. good. In a helpful way, yeah. But because I've because I've now split the book into eight separate sections with multiple chapters per section, we're doing it so that each part, as I complete it, will be a separate statement of work for the editor. Okay. Which yeah. means I can spread the costs of editing across the entire life cycle of the book. Okay. Yeah. As opposed to just doing it all at the end. Mm -hmm. Which makes business sense as well. Yeah. So. No, yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So okay, let's move on to some questions. So this is by someone called Higgerty. I don't know if that's her first name or their surname. Who knows, just, yeah. It was just signed off with Higgerty. Uh, so running a business, sorry, has running a business ever landed you in hot water with your spouse due to workload? Oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, I think there's been, 
not so much the workload, it's more that I think you carry the stress with you and I think it's it's that that you take home with you, even if it's not necessarily the work, because you have to do take the work as well. But I think it's, you kind of, um, you take it with you a little bit, don't you? Do you, do you find that, do you, have, do you get in trouble or? Yeah, the, the only real bit where I've really kind of got into trouble is where previously I might have had too many travel commitments too closely together. Ah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, which, was, which you never planned for, but they just kind of happened. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a bit unfair because then Amanda has to deal with the kids for two I weeks. I was thinking, so. yeah, yeah, that would be tricky. Yeah, that would probably cause. Yeah, I, I make sure I do my fair share when I am around. <laughs> yeah, because a bit, bit of tension. I'm guessing. In terms of actual workload, though, no, not really, because I kind of run this as a lifestyle business, so I can either be as busy or as unbusy as I want. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm not too bad. It's not like I work loads of nights and weekends. It might occasionally happen, but not not on a regular basis. I'm yeah, not, it's not that bad, really. Um, if anything, I probably got into more hot water on my last job, my last proper job. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, there'll be several deployments we'd have to do. And, you know, when we hadn't quite got everything fully automated and there's still lots of manual steps in the deployment. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so we'll be deploying yeah. late at night and then things will go wrong and then you, uh, you end okay. up being there till two in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that's probably, yeah, it can be worse. I mean, I've worked consultancies a bit like that sometimes. Um, like engineering consultancies, they, they have this kind of culture where they expect you to come in at the weekends and stuff, or occasionally if they've got a project where it's late and stuff, you know, where it's, it's not like that with my own stuff. I just wouldn't normally do that. And occasionally they'll bit, but not not so much now. But when I was, when I was working a full-time job, because I always wanted to do my own thing, whether it be courses or writing software, I always felt as though I had to do that in the evenings, otherwise I wasn't satisfied. Okay. So, so, so doing, the, doing the day job, I was never kind of creatively satisfied. Yeah, okay, so I felt yeah, I had yeah. to do loads of stuff in the evenings, but I kind of don't have that now because the stuff I do during the day for my own business, I'm kind of, I'm kind of content at the end of the day. So yeah, I, I don't yeah. really feel like I have to do much stuff in the evenings. I mean, I know when I first started out, I did do nights and weekends. I do my own freelance stuff before I set up on my own, obviously doing the day job and then doing sort of nights and weekends. But I mean, that was before I had children. So it was a little bit easier. I think now it might be harder with, with children because I think you'd have to... I think it'd be a bit unfair with younger you know. children, certainly babies or yeah, things that help out really, you know. So it's it's more more tricky to do now. I've got to hope neither of our uh, wives listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think she does. Okay, uh, next question from Dave. So, have you ever worked on something for so long and really intensely that you hated the results when it came to releasing it? Not really. No, I mean, I, I, what tends to annoy me more is just it seems like forever when you. Some things you think, oh, you know, you'd like to launch it in a day, and it always seems to take months. You know, mm. everything seems to drag. It's more that it just drags, but it's actually really it's a relief once it's been released. Um, so no, I've not really hated it. The results once it's been released, it's just painful sometimes. The process of building something and getting it out there, you know, the length of time it takes. Sometimes you underestimate. I think every I tend to underestimate how long things take mm. to do. It always takes longer than you think, doesn't it, to do most things? Yeah, generally. I mean, when I've worked on like um, to a degree with Pluralsight courses, but also when I was doing those um, gentle introduction sort of mini book things, I'd find by the end of writing one of those, you kind of lose sense a little bit. But then what I do is whenever I get to the point where I think I'm finished, I'd put it away for a month, like two to four weeks. Okay. And yeah. not look at it and then come back to it fresh and then oh, decide okay. whether it's ready to release. Okay, that's fair enough, yeah. I find that helps. Um, but yeah, not, have you hated anything once you've released it, or is it just it's sort of that long and been that unpleasant? You've not really not enjoyed not the really. process, I've, or I'm quite happy with all the courses I've put out. Yeah, people seem to be happy with them as well because they always seem to rate really well. 
Yeah, I mean, there's been certain things that I've done that haven't worked out well, but I've not actually hated it. I still like the result of the product that's been launched, but it just hasn't been commercially successful or something like that. Yeah, know? I mean, the, the books I've done, I mean, they haven't performed as well as what I would have wanted them to. Yeah. Some have performed better than others, but, you know, I don't hate them. Yeah, they're still probably still good work, isn't it? You know, but it's, yeah. It's but you're going to find out, though, aren't you? You're always going to do things. Some, you know, sometimes it will do really well, and sometimes, yeah, sometimes, sometimes the process might have been painful to create that book or whatever. You know, it might have been a bit um, painful, but you probably didn't hate it once it was released. You know. Um. Okay, do you want to move on to the main show topic? Yeah. So this, today I thought this. we'd talk about imposter syndrome. It's quite interesting because a few months ago it was actually you that suggested the topic. I mean, yeah, syndrome. I think it was it was something I was going through at the time a little bit because um, sort of I felt like I was reaching the limits of my technical knowledge oh, okay. with the stuff that we were doing. Um, so I was going through this sort of like phase where I thought, oh god, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I've got to research all this stuff, find all this stuff out, and it just it seemed a bit overwhelming at the time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really really common. And what was quite interesting when you suggested it before, I, I kind of remembered that I'd actually written a blog post on it. Okay, yeah. uh, about a year ago but never actually published it because I wrote it and then I just got busy with something else and then just, I just completely forgot about it Yeah. so I, I dug the post out and posted it on my blog um, a little while ago well a few days ago and it's called Overcoming Imposter Syndrome so I'll put a link in the show notes Yeah. so basically what I'm going to do this, the stuff we're going to go through now is just kind of a summary of some of the stuff that's in that, that article Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I already researched it once wasn't going to do it again <laughs> fair enough <laughs> But it's actually interesting. So, I mean, we always think of imposter syndrome as just being someone thinking, you know, I'm not very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is someone going to find me out as being a fraud? But actually, there's different types of imposter syndrome. Okay. Which is, which is quite interesting, which I didn't know at the time until I started yeah. researching it. So the term imposter syndrome was coined by clinical psychologists Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes in 1978. Okay. Yeah. So it's been, been around quite a while. I think that was the year I was born. <laughs> Oh, you were born in 78? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm older than you. I'm 76. <laughs> oh, maybe we should do a topic about <laughs> digressions and uh, focus. <laughs> uh, you know, so they were two specialists, um, or specialist psychologists, and they originally described it as fraud syndrome. And it's a psychological pattern that makes us doubt our accomplishments, causing an internalised fear of being exposed as frauds, so that individuals persistently reject praise. Okay. It's kind of their sort of formal, formal definition of it. Which I thought was really fascinating because I see this all the time, especially with software developers. This is so common in software development. Yeah. Uh, mainly because there's so many technologies out there. I mean, you look at like a modern, I mean, I feel sorry for modern front-end web developers because it seems like there's a new framework or technology every two weeks. Yeah, yeah. So you're constantly playing catch-up and software developers being, you know, the type of people that they are, feel like they have to learn everything. And that anything that's more than two weeks old is out of date and rubbish. <laughs> yeah. So it's very easy to kind of get into this cycle of thinking you're not good enough, just because, you know, if you take a two-week holiday... Yeah, you're behind. You, know, you feel you, like you're behind. You feel like you're behind. Back-end sort of services and API developers, I don't think, have this problem as much. But certainly front-end web developers, you do JavaScript and Angular and stuff like that, this can become a bit of a problem. But anyway, so... As I was researching it, I found that there's you know different types of imposter syndrome. So I thought let's just go through them and then yeah yeah. I mean I was going to use this as a therapy session. This is really a, read, yeah. Did, did he lie down on the couch? Yeah. And like, so yeah, tell me about your father. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first type then is perfectionism. 
Okay, yeah. So this is where someone works on tasks to the point where they think everything has to be completely perfect every time. Um, if it's not perfect, then they just think they're a fraud or a fake. Because, uh, okay, yeah. You know, anything I work on has to be 100% brilliant. As we all know, realistically, not everything has to be 100% brilliant every time. It just needs to be good enough yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I think I fall sometimes into this trap where as if, if it's not perfect, I don't want to do it at all, you know, or, yeah. you know. But yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I don't know if I've ever really suffered from perfectionism as such. I think I'm actually quite good at recognising when something's good enough. Yeah. And then releasing it and then iterating later. Yeah, it's a, it's a trick. I think at the end of this, we do sort of go into how how we overcome these sort of problems. But yeah, I think it's something you have to be aware of, isn't it? That if you, you know, if you, sometimes sometimes just being good enough, isn't it? Is I've seen, seen this yeah. in startups as well who are trying to you know get to their minimum viable product or minimum. What, uh, what, what, what's the other one you mentioned a little while ago? There's minimum viable products, but there's a more modern uh, one. Was it uh, simple, lovable, something, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. But, but you know, you, you're trying to do an MVP, but then you get people just shoving in more and more features. Like, oh, nobody's going to use it unless we put this in and this in and this in. Oh, and then yeah. your MVP ends up becoming a massive beast. The product, yeah, yeah. And it, in a way, that's a kind of perfectionism as well. So you don't want to release it out. You don't want anyone to look at it until you kind of feel like you've got all of these features in there. Yeah, perhaps sometimes you do need, perhaps you just need um, a smaller feature set, but more... Yeah, perhaps that can, a small bit of it can be perfect, but you don't have to have a massive product, you know. At that, at yeah. that point, yeah, it's hard to know. You've got to, you've got to realise what your limits are and how perfect something has to be. Yeah, so, so that type of imposter syndrome is called perfectionism. Okay. Think, you know, probably a lot of people suffer from that. You know, yeah, and I'm sure, yeah. If, if you don't work on something to the point of it being absolutely perfect, that you think you're a fake or okay. a fraud. Yeah. Because you think no one will take you seriously if it's any less than 100% perfect. The next one I researched was one called The Natural Genius. Okay, yeah. So this is where someone, you know, who thinks they're a genius and that, you know, they should never struggle with anything yeah. is, is unwilling to take help or mentorship from anyone. And, you know, if they can't achieve something on the first attempt, then they just think they're a fraud or a fake. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a natural genius. I should be able to do this first time. Oh, and everything could be brilliant. Can't. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as is the case with most things, you try something and then it won't go so well. Yeah. You know, normally you think, okay, well, I'll try again or I'll you know, change my tactic or change the technique and try again. But for a person who falls into the natural genius style of um, imposter syndrome, then they won't get that far. You are know, oh, failed, that's it. You know, throw, throw toys out the pram. I'm no good. I'm a fake. Really? Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was quite interesting. And, um, you know, it, literally any setback can send your confidence plummeting. Really, yeah. Which I think is one of the big problems with um, imposter syndrome. It's all about your own self-confidence, isn't it? Yeah, most, yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. But when I was researching it as well, it says that these people tend to avoid new challenges, with the argument being, if you, if you don't try something new, then you can't fail. Yeah, that's, that's a worry, isn't it? Perhaps you don't even try things because you're worried that, you know, mm. that you're not going to be successful. I think sometimes I'm like that, yeah, perhaps there's things I should be braver with. Um, you know, perhaps, you know, when it comes to new products, perhaps we can be braver with the things that we do. How do you mean though? I mean, you've, you've released quite a few products recently. Yeah, um, no, I don't know. There's definitely, I think we could be more adventurous, we do, you know, more technically challenging projects for the future, I think. Um, not so much now. I think we've, we've got quite a definite roadmap of what we're going to work on for the next couple of years. But I think after then, I think we're going to have to perhaps do some really, really, te te you know, really technically challenging projects, you know. 
and but it kind of scares me at the, t- at the moment you know <laughs> I think that's yeah I think I do suffer from imposter syndrome from some of the things we potentially work on in the future do you think your business partner is the same or do you reckon both of you kind of balance each other out uh, no I think we, we, we kind of balance each other out yes yeah, I think uh, Nick my business partner's got a different kind of outlook to me so I that's think good. between us we should we should be able to get around most of these problems well, that's a good thing so if you have two people the same who potentially might have the same insecurities or confidence problems <laughs> yeah. and then you then I think that could be more of a problem no yeah definitely yeah okay so the next one then is a type of imposter syndrome called the overworker overworker okay what's so, that so I want to research this it said it's this is potentially the most harmful type of imposter syndrome and quite damaging to mental health and stress levels so this is the person who will work and work and work and work really really hard all the time constantly because they feel they have to measure up to their colleagues who they think are better than them. Ah, oh, okay, so it's something got a bit of a chip on the shoulder. Yeah, know. or you might have some colleague who's been at the company, you know, 10 years and has, you know, developed the main part of the main products. You kind of put them up on this like, artificial pedestal. Uh, okay. And then okay. feel like that you have to constantly work to try and prove yourself because you think you're not as, as good, good as them. As good as them, yeah, yeah. And really, you know, you, you probably are as good as them. It's just that they've been there longer and done more things just because they've been there longer. Yeah, yeah. And this one could be quite damaging because obviously if you're working constantly, then that's obviously not very good for your for your own mental state because you're not taking any breaks. It's yeah, it becomes stressful. And you know, they feel like you know, any time off will make them idle or lazy as well. Really, yeah. So they don't give themselves a break. So I've I've seen people like this in, in various different companies. I mean, I've, I think probably earlier in my career I was a bit like this as well. You think you felt that you had something to prove? Yeah, because yeah, I, I did a big career change. So I spent the first nine years of my career working in the games industry. Yeah. Which which is fantastic, but it wasn't a sustainable career. Well, I didn't think at the time when you want to settle down. Because mm. it was very much about staying in the office all the time and crunching Long to get, hours, the, get yeah. the games done. So I, I left the industry, which I actually found quite hard to find another job. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't obviously resign until I found another job, but I mean, I found it hard to find another job outside the games industry where they're willing to actually give me a chance because they think you know this person just works in games yeah they, they, they sit there playing Tomb Raider all day uh, okay yeah you can typecast into this role yeah but I, I went to work at a company uh, well they're not around anymore they're called Egg Egg.com used to be like an online bank yeah yeah I remember them yeah uh, based in Derby and they, they were really good so they sort of gave me a chance okay yeah, so yeah. That, that was kind of like my break outside of the games industry and there were various people there who had been there since the inception of the bank who knew all of the back end systems. And I, I probably fell into this category where I was like, these people kind of put up on this pedestal as being like the, you know, the the gods of the company. Yeah, yeah, and you felt felt they had to come in and just be instantly as successful as they'd been. So I felt like I had a lot to prove. So I was just like working around the clock constantly to try and sort of build myself up. Yeah. I mean, really, I didn't really need to do that. I mean, I'd come from a very technical background. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was probably had the same level of ability as these other people, but because they'd obviously been there and built up all the core systems, yeah, I felt like I had a lot to prove. Yeah, he felt like he had to go and replicate everything they'd done. So this yeah. is quite common. I've seen this quite a few times before, especially when I've been managing people and you sort of see people, you know, staying really late in the office. Yeah, I think you mentioned that you said that, you know, um, I think you said that the notes are like getting the glory from doing all the work, but not necessarily quality work. So obviously mm. you're doing lots of work, but not necessarily your best work, you know, uh, when you're in that kind of mindset. Is that something that you thought, you know, yourself, that you're more, you're that focused on just working really hard, but not necessarily in a, in a not, careful way, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're working around the clock and you're really, really tired, you'll start making careless mistakes, so the quality uh, will go down. Yeah. Because as we all know, you have to have regular, regular breaks and downtime. Yeah, for sure, yeah. So that was quite interesting to say. I've, I've, I've come across this one quite a bit, you know, the, the overworker. And I've also fallen into that trap myself. Yeah. So the next one was called The Rugged Individualist. Okay, yeah. So sounds like some kind of... <laughs> That's a good one, it? Some like Bond villain. A rugged individualist is a person who feels that asking for help would expose them as being a phony. So okay, kind of, kind of yeah. similar to some of the other ones that we've worked at here, but imagine someone's trying to work on something, they're getting stuck. Oh, but yeah. They, but they don't yeah. want to ask for help, because if they do, it makes, yeah. you, makes you come across as incompetent. I think a lot of software people like this, aren't they, where they'll they'll spend hours researching something rather than asking a person mm. an answer, you know. Um, or even worse, you know, if, if like your manager comes up and can see that you're struggling and they offer to help you, but you turn them down and say, oh, no, no, I'm fine. Yeah, just, just, yeah. just leave me to it. Yeah, you want to find it, figure it out for yourself, don't you? But obviously, you know, if you're sitting there struggling, you're refusing to take help because you think that people are going to think that you're bad at your job. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> that's just you know that's, that's just going to spiral out of control. You know, I've I've probably not seen this one as much, but I mean, I, I can kind of see a bit of myself in this one, but not to the degree. That yeah, I think this one's alluding to. Then, yeah, you, you'd probably know at some point that it might be easier to ask somebody else than, than do yeah. Yourself. I mean, the example I said about when I used to work at um, work at Egg at the bank. I mean, I, I probably was in that position there. Well, I wouldn't necessarily go and ask for help. And that's, oh, what, that's okay, what I really, yeah. really, really had to, just in case people thought I was rubbish. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I, I can feel this, kind of, you know, where you might think, you know, asking for help is sort of admitting that you don't know something, you know. So I, I do get that, yeah. But I think it's odd because I'm sure at some points we've fallen into all these kind of categories, you know, to a certain degree, haven't we, at some point in our career? I reckon so. I mean, I, I reckon the next one will ring, ring a lot of bells. Um, but typically, you know, the rugged individualist is the sort of person who wants to work alone. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe fairly introverted, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing what I've seen has been a problem is where I've worked at companies that do um, pair programming. Ah, uh, okay, so yeah. Have you come yeah. across pair programming? Yeah, I've heard, yeah. yeah. So, you know, you do things like Scrum and you, you'll have two people working at a computer at the same time. Uh, the okay. idea being that one person's checking what the other person's doing and you're collaborating. You know, two sets of eyes is better than one. Yeah, is, yeah, is the theory. But I've seen this backfiring in a couple of instances where you, you get someone, if you get a pair who have got very different abilities, I think it will become a problem. So if you've got someone who is really experienced and someone who's a bit newer, for that person who's a bit newer, who suffers from imposter syndrome, that's kind of a nightmare scenario. Uh, you're, yeah. being, you're being completely exposed in front of this other person who's really a bit more of an expert. Yeah, yeah, that would be painful, wouldn't it? And then, you know, if you, if you make a mistake, you'll be thinking, oh my God, is, he, is this person going to report back and say that I'm rubbish? Or is, is it a test? Am I being inspired on? Yeah, that is really, really quite quite tricky. Yeah. I wouldn't like that situation in where you feel under, under so much scrutiny. You know, un under Agile and Scrum and all these things, you know, I, I see the point in pair programming. It's a really good technique. Personally, I never liked doing it. Out of all the companies I've ever done pair programming, there's only ever been one person that I've ever liked pairing with. Uh, okay, yeah, a, yeah. a friend of mine called Matt. Again, this was working back at Egg, but we were kind of similar abilities, had similar thought processes. Yeah. So that, that kind of pairing worked really, really well. But other companies have done it. It's been like pulling teeth. Oh, I, I can imagine. It. Yeah, yeah, it might be painful. Yeah. I'll probably get all the agile 
people like <laughs> so, yeah. emailing me now. You can't say that's about so it's hating on you it's now. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so next one then, or the last one, or the last type of imposter syndrome is the expert. And I've seen this so many times in software development, it is untrue. That's okay, why I've left yeah. kind of the common one till last. So this is a person where you can have someone who's really qualified, you know, maybe they've got loads of certifications, they've got degrees, master's degrees, PhDs, you know, all of the qualifications, yet they feel they're frauds or not qualified. Okay, yeah. And where I've seen this quite often is um, you'll get these people, you know, once they get a job, even though they're really qualified, they somehow think they've managed to trick the company into giving them a job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I've, and I've heard a lot of people saying this before, that they, they think, oh, how, how on earth did I get this job? And that, you know, these people have an immense fear that they're going to be exposed as incompetent and inexperienced. Yeah. And I've also spoken to some people before where they might actually shy away from applying for a job. Really, if, yeah. Even though they're more than qualified and they've got really good experience. But they won't apply for the job because they think they're not good enough. Which, yeah. which I think is quite bad. Yeah. So I've, I can't speak for other industries. So I've only really worked in kind of software in my career, but I've seen this so many times in software development where people either think they've managed to con the company into giving them a job. Yeah. To be honest, I think I've, I've thought that a few times at some places I've worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling, yeah. When, when I first started out um, after uni, I was working for a games company in London called Argonaut Software, and I somehow managed to get a job at Core Design in Derby, the, oh. the company that done Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember on the first day, I was sitting there at my new desk with this really like nice PC and these really nice offices with people around me that I read about in magazines. Oh no! Thinking, yeah, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? Oh, <laughs> how, how did it go? Did it did it go well? Or? It went fine. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good job. Lots of good good friends there. But I was thinking, I think you know, I'm qualified to do this. You know, I've worked at Argonaut for four years. I've worked on lots of cool stuff. You know, I've got every right to be here. You know, I got through the interview and all that. Yeah. But then I'm thinking, what am I doing here? These people wrote too many. Yeah. These. Yeah. <laughs> this is that is that is tricky, isn't it? Yeah. But I've also found this uh, more recently at conferences as well. So the first time I. You know, did a did a talk at a big conference. You know, a few hours before going on stage, I was like, "What am I doing here?" Yeah, yeah. What expertise do I have? Yeah, as soon as I go yeah, on stage, yeah. they're gonna find me out. And then, <laughs> find, th yeah. then, then it's all over. Yeah, they'll be like judging you, ain't you? As you're talking, thinking, you know, yeah, that it's that fear, isn't it? Have you ever had that one? Because I guess doing what you're doing, I mean, you've got lots of qualifications around. Was it structural engineering? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I know when I first started out, I started working at. Um, uh, this this company, uh, com like a firm of contractors, and we were doing like work on the Olympic Park, enabling works. This is back in the day, and oh yeah, I think every day I went in there, I felt like a fraud, you know. Right. And, and oh, I probably wasn't, you know, but it was like a lot of learning, and it was it was difficult though, you know. You you go in and you kind of feel, you know, what do I know, you know? And but you know, you you do know it. It's just it's 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 just difficult, isn't it? It's it's a real fear. Um, I think everybody gets this down there a little bit, you know, where they... Yeah, I think everyone suffers from one, one, of, the, one of these types. Of, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone suffers from all of these types of imposter syndrome yeah. at least one yeah, point I, in their life. I'm, I'm sure they do, yeah. I think the way it become a real problem is if you're constantly feeling like this all the time. I think probably it's anxiety-inducing, isn't it? it? It probably affects you on some level. Or perhaps you, um, you know, do things you shouldn't do, you know, because of the... You know the fear of not asking for help, or or, or overworking and getting mm. stressed about things, or or trying to do too much when you don't have to. You know, I mean, when I first um, started doing stuff for Pluralsight, I thought I'd, it's like, you know, how, how have I got in here? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing here? Is this a good idea? How have I managed to get through the audition process? 
Yeah, but I mean, sometimes perhaps some of your fears are like warranted, aren't they? Perhaps sometimes you do feel that you've got to learn new skills, and sometimes sometimes it's positive, isn't it? You know, having to. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they talk about good stress and bad stress, don't they? Yeah. I mean, obviously, bad stress is when you're having anxiety attacks, and it's that's gonna that's gonna affect you. But having a bit of stress where you think, well, you know, maybe I do need to put a little bit more effort in or learn something new just to learn yeah. some new skills to get ahead. I mean, that's probably not so much of a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, it can be positive as, as well as negative. It just depends, you know, how extreme it gets. Okay, so what can you do to overcome imposter syndrome? I mean, a lot of these are kind of, you know, there's not like a magic wand you can wave and suddenly you, <laughs> you haven't got imposter syndrome anymore. But I guess the biggest one is to realise that nobody is perfect. Yeah. You know, we were saying about the perfectionist, about how everything has to be 100% perfect. I mean, nobody's perfect. No, no, it's, yeah. You know, we're, yeah, we're all human. You know, all you can do is do your best. Put something out there. If yeah. there are problems with it, just learn from the mistakes and then... I think if you don't give yourself some unrealistic expectations of how the world should be, you know, it's 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 not kind to yourself, is it, to hold you, hold yourself to that kind of level of scrutiny. Plus, you know, if, if you do go for a job interview and then someone gives you a job and then suddenly something can have a bluff my way through it, you know, when they're doing a job interview, they're, they're going to be looking for certain things in you. Yeah. Sometimes they might be looking for the ability to learn, you know, or, or have, you know. So they might well, that's, 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 that's what we used to measure for um, when I worked at the last company. Because um, we, we were using a fairly new technology stack, so we knew that there wasn't a huge amount of um, companies around Nottingham using that stack, so we were going to have to be training people up. Okay, yeah. So part of the things we were testing for was, you know, how passionate were people about software development, and a lot of people demonstrated that by showing us their GitHub pages. Okay, yeah. And, you know, what was their eagerness for learning like you know, how do yeah, they go about learning new skills yeah yeah that's yeah because we were using react js which is like a you know front end framework and a lot of people we took on had never used it before uh yeah yeah, yeah. but we we knew that they would learn it fairly quickly mm, you know that learn, they learn it on the job had that skill set so also you know changing your mentality as well i think is quite important so that the feeling of inadequacy and fear of being a fraud is a figment of your imagination basically it's it's an unfounded fear, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's all it's all coming from your mind. It's probably easier said than done. You know, you need to you need to change your. It's, it's like saying to someone who's depressed, "I would just cheer up." It's, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, obviously, it's, 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 it's not it's not the solution. It's but, not that easy, is it? I guess. But I guess with something like this, you do need to kind of take a holistic look at why you're feeling like an imposter. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of more self self reflective. Yeah, I think you sometimes step back and think. You know, um, is this fear re- real? You know, sometimes. You know, it might be a perceived rather natural fear. And a good way of doing this, I found. I mean, I don't know if you do this, but um, make a list of your achievements. No, I don't know. I mean, I've I done that before. Know. No, I should do. Oh, there's, there's a whole thing about. Um, is it, oh, what's it called? Oh, this is whole journal you can get based on this. I forgot the um, name of it now. We can write what, like a, a journal of all all your achievements. Yeah, is, is it the one minute journal? Yeah, the one minute gratitude journal. I think. This okay. Is it. But basically. Yeah, you don't need to go and buy a journal, but it's, it's basically about regularly writing down um, the things that you've achieved and kind of what you're what you're grateful for. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, so you can think, oh, I'm not a fraud. I've done this. I've done that. I've yeah. achieved this. I mean, one of the ways I do it is, you know, I I use a note notebook. Well, I use an iPad for keeping all my notes on now. 
Okay. And you know, I, I make sure that when I complete something on my to-do list, I you know I put a big tick next to it or it's cross funny. it out so that I can go back and actually look at what I've achieved. What I used to do, and I don't do it so much nowadays for obvious reasons, but I used to have like a CV and I used to write down in the CV, you know, if I'd learnt a new skill or built a, built something, you know, or done something significant, I used mm. to write that into the CV and have a really like long form CV of everything, yeah. basically everything that I'd ever done, achieve all my achievements, you know. But I don't, I'm not, I don't need a CV. So a forty-two page CV. Yeah, yeah. It was like, but it was, it was just more like you say, more like a list of things that I'd done, you know, or achieved, you know, or, or what have you, you know. And it was quite useful. Yeah. So if you're, you know, sitting there thinking, well, I can't do this, I can't achieve this, you just go back and look at your achievements list. I think yes, you can, you can do things. Yeah. No, so if I'm if I'm struggling with doing some prep or a demo for a course, I can just go back and, you know, look at the ones that I've done before. So, you know, I, I know I can do this. I've got 18 of them here sitting here. Oh, yeah, yeah. That are live. But I, I think that's quite a powerful tool. It's just regularly write down or have a list written down somewhere. No one else has to see it. Yeah, yeah, it's for your own, for yeah. your own benefit. Or, yeah. you know, a document on your, on your computer where you just write down all the things you've achieved. Yeah, yeah, I know, like, obviously, you know, take time to sort of reflect on all, all your hard work. That, you know all the different things that you've achieved you know sometimes you sort of forget don't you what it is that you've done another one i talked about in the article as well was just just talking to someone which i know can be easier said than done yeah you know if you're feeling like an imposter just go and talk to someone where that's probably actually the last thing you want to do <laughs> yeah. but, but really if you've got like a partner at home you can go and talk to you about it or go talk to your friends down the pub about it yeah perhaps you realize you know that you're not the imposter that you thought you were you know or you know or it would perhaps you know, perhaps think about it differently, wouldn't you? I think if you told someone else about it. I went to a really interesting talk at a conference once, and it was about imposter syndrome. And um, I was sort of talking to a load of people after the talk, and like, everyone was was pretty much saying that they suffer from it all the time. Yeah, yeah, including some like really big name speakers as well. The, really? pe- the people that you think oh, you know wouldn't wouldn't suffer. I from know it's probably that probably where it is you sort of talk about this because you think oh, I've um, you see somebody who's obviously a real expert and they think they're an imposter, you know it makes you think that they're not, you know, and it makes you realise that you're not, you know, or, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was talking to some speakers who I've, you know, looked up to for years and I've been to see them and I've watched their courses and all that, and you talk to them, they, they suffer exactly the same insecurities as what you do. Yeah, yeah. Which actually I found kind of cathartic in a way and that actually helped. Yeah, no, it would do, yeah. I think, yeah, I think if you realise that everybody has these problems, it's not just you, you know. Yeah, so I think that's kind of what I wanted to cover on imposter syndrome, really. I think it's something that affects everyone. And kind of where it's really relevant to people doing side hustles and businesses is that, you know, a lot of the time you might not have that many people around you to to talk to about it, but whenever you're developing products, I think everyone's going to go through imposter syndrome at some point. Yeah, I think you've got to take steps to try and get around this problem, you know, for sure. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you're trying to release products for yourself. So the last thing you want to do is feel like a fraud or a fake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But especially with the perfectionism ones, I think if, if you haven't got anyone pushing you to to get a product out, I think it could be very easy to get into that cycle of, well, I'll just add this other feature, then I'll add this, and then I'll add this other thing here, and then before you know it, six months have gone, and you've not actually released anything. Yeah, I think, I think that's why it's good to perhaps work with a partner or a mentor or somebody like that or have a mastermind group or somebody else that could call you out on what you're doing, you know, because you, you might end up spending years developing something, you know, and it's not, perhaps you didn't need to do that, you know, but, but obviously, because you wanted it to be perfect, you've, you've not launched it yeah. out into the world. But I think, you know, common message here is that everyone suffers from this. I mean, I know we've gone through kind of 
academically some of the different types of imposter syndrome, yeah. but you know, everyone suffers from it. So if you're sitting here listening to this, currently thinking that you're suffering from imposter syndrome yeah. in, in your day job or your business, you're not alone. No, no. So yeah. both me and you suffer from it quite a bit. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah. I think I don't want it to hold you back and just think, oh, I can't do my side hustle. You know, I don't know enough. I can't do this. You know. Do you think we'll get exposed as fake podcasters? Yeah, we we'll probably are. <laughs> we probably are. I think sometimes it's warranted. Sometimes imposter syndrome is warranted. Yeah, but um, I think I don't. People, I don't hold people back. I don't want somebody to think, oh, they can't do this when they they can. You know, they've just yeah. got to believe and and do it. You know. Um, so just you know, get out there, talk to people, and work through these problems. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to some recommendations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, my recommendation. Uh, it's not. I've not actually used this product, but other people have, and have uh, said it's quite good. It's a thing called Mastermind Jam. Okay. And it's for people that want to set up their own. They can use this product to set up a mastermind group. And I'm in a mastermind group. We sort of set it up ourselves. It wasn't through this product. I think it's it's a good idea. I mean, you don't necessarily have to use this product, but I think you know if you can think of some way of meeting it with this actually helps with imposter syndrome. Mm. You meet with other people that are at a similar level to you. So, say for example, if you own a software business or if you're doing courses or whatever, if you meet if you meet other people that are doing courses, and then if you just meet like once a month, it doesn't it can be in person or it can be online, and just go through all the problems that you have. I think that's really really valuable. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend mastermindjam.com. So is this, for, is this for meeting people that you can meet in person or is it? I think these are mostly online ones to okay. be honest, but yeah, you probably can do. Um, but I think this is more for that like, online. It's like quite a new meeting. product, it says there's a waiting list to join it. Yeah, yeah, I think you have to sign up and then they, they do it in batches, I think. Okay. Um, but yeah, you don't have to use that service. I'm sure there's other, other ways of setting up a mastermind meeting. It, it doesn't, it, it can be people you know already. Um, a mastermind meeting is is a, just a meeting of other bit. You know, some, there's, three, there's two other people in my group, and we meet at once a month. And I find it we just sort of like discuss what our issues, problems are, and then we sort of set goals for the following month. Right, you know? okay. But I find it really useful, and it, it's definitely going to overcome like you know you're saying about master the uh, the problems with imposter syndrome. If you can talk to other people, you can get over a lot of these issues. You know. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it might be worth if you work, especially if you're working alone as well. Hmm. It does help, I think. Okay, so that's at mastermindjam.com. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Cool. Okay, so my uh, recommendation is a an app on the iPad or the iPad Pro called GoodNotes 5. Okay, yeah. So I recently upgraded my iPad to the newer iPad Pro with the new pen. Okay, yeah, yeah. And GoodNotes, it's basically a notepad, just like a normal journal sort of thing. You can set what type of line style you want and all that. Yeah. But I've basically started using it now as my daily to-do list. Well, I literally, just like you with a piece of paper, I'm just writing oh, right. to-dos on it. the stylist, yeah. But it's just really nice. And if there's stuff I've got on one day which I don't quite complete, I need to carry it over to the next day. You can just use the lasso tool and just copy it onto the next page. Ah, yeah, cool. I've been doing that for a few weeks now, and it's actually working surprisingly well. Okay, yeah. Plus, I've always got my iPad in my bag because I don't always carry my notebook. I always carry it with you, yeah. So. I carry it. It's more portable, yeah. And it wasn't particularly expensive. It was less than $10 for the app. Okay. But if you're looking for a good note-taking app on the iPad, GoodNotes yeah. 5, I've, I've tested a lot of them. And that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And GoodNotes yeah. 5 you, is you, the... Uh, you like your apps. I do have my apps, <laughs> yeah. It would probably look a bit out of place on your phone, but... Uh, yeah, because like, <laughs> there's nothing on it. Your empty phone. <laughs> empty phone. So, yeah. Okay, so... It's another show in the can. Yeah, yeah, another, another hot on the tape. So 
Hope people have found it useful. I say imposter syndrome is kind of one of those things that not a lot of people talk about, but everyone suffers from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think hopefully we can help you uh, get over it and actually realise you're not an imposter. You're good at what you do. Yeah, you just need to believe, don't you? And uh, and just think that you can achieve things. Sounds think about what you have achieved. And it sounds corny, doesn't it? You need to believe in yourself. To believe, <laughs> just need to believe. Yeah, but it's true. You do. Yeah, you do. Great. Okay. Well, we'll see you in the next episode. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Okay, bye.